So I'm really excited. We're starting a new series today that we're calling Foolproof. And let me just say that if you're a guest with us this morning, um, thanks so much for being with us. And really, you couldn't have come at a better time. Um, a new series, we oftentimes say, is a fantastic opportunity to kind of uh, learn about the church, kind of get connected to the church. And so thanks for coming out. I'd really challenge you, if you can, to lock in for the next five weeks as, uh, as we journey through this new series that we're um, starting together today called Foolproof. We're really excited about it. But uh, kind of as a way to start this series, I thought that a good way to sort of introduce the topic that we're going to be uh, delving into for the next five weeks would be to ask just a, a real standard question. So let me ask you guys a quick question, just kind of start things off. Of course, I don't want you to answer this out loud. I just want you to answer this in your own mind, uh, kind of in your own hearts. But here's the question um, that I want to pose to you this morning, okay? What is one thing um, that you need right now that would improve your life? Okay, one thing that you need right now um, that would improve your life. What do you think about that? Okay, so think about the landscape of your life, um, your situation, circumstances that are going on around you. Um, think about that and then think, what is one thing that you need right now that you believe would help improve your life, you, that you believe would actually help lead you to more, more flourishing in your life? What would that be? Now, of course, this is a question um, that many people this time of the year are asking, something like this, right? It's the new year. And so a lot of people are um, kind of taking inventory. They're assessing their situation. A lot of us right now are trying to put new patterns in place to kind of change our lives, to improve our lives in some significant way. And so a lot of people are thinking this way already. But my question to you, quite simply, is how would you answer that question? Right? What's one thing that you need? And I know that there's more than one thing, but what's one thing that you need that you think would help improve your life? Okay, now I want you to, to hold that in your mind for a minute. Now here's the reason I'm asking that question. I believe, and I'm just speculating because I have no idea what you're thinking. I don't know what's going on in your mind, but I'm speculating because of myself that most of us, and myself included, when we answer that question, we tend to answer it with a change of circumstances, okay? So, for example, uh, for some of you, when I said, what, what's one thing you need right now? Uh, honestly, probably what came to your mind, for some of you, you're like, I need, I need a, a new job is what I need. And so I think about my current job, does it pay enough? or I'm, I'm very unhappy where I'm at, not, not finding fulfillment. I believe my life would be better um, if I had a different job. So some of you might uh, think that. For some of you, the change that, that you think, you know, the circumstance change is a relational one. And so for some of you, you're like, what I need right now, quite honestly, is I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I need a husband or a wife. If I had that relationship in place, I believe my life would be better. It would improve my life circumstances. And for some of you, you're married right now, and for you, you're like, one of the things we need, I, I need, we need better communication in our marriage. We, we need that. For some of you, you're like, we need counseling. Some of you, are like, he needs counseling, you know, and that's what I, I need right now. Uh, for some of you, you would answer that question with a, with a physical thing, right? You'd say, I, I need to get healthy. I need to lose 20 pounds. I need to um, jump into a gym. I need to get a gym membership somewhere. You'd answer that that way. Some of us would say, I, you know, I need, uh, I, I, need a I need a new car. I need a change of circumstance. In some way, most of us tend to answer that with a change of circumstances. Some of you are like, I just need it to be warm outside. I just want the Bucks to win tomorrow. That's what I need. That would make my life better. And some of you are just like, I just need a cup of coffee, man. That's it. And, uh, but but my, my guess is when we answer that question, the way that we tend to answer it is with a change of circumstances. Now, here's the thing about that. All of us, I think, would agree with this, that a change of circumstances can be very helpful and very healthy. So it's not a bad thing to want to change our circumstances. I think it's a very good thing in some cases to have a change of circumstances. But here's the one thing I think we would all agree with, that you can have the most ideal circumstances, and that would not guarantee that your life would improve at all. 
that would not guarantee that you would have the ability to flourish in life, right? I'll put it another way. You can have the most ideal circumstances and still utterly wreck your life. It's possible. And I know that, and you know that, because we all have seen, um, we've all seen practical uh, examples of that. So when we look at Hollywood, when we look at the media, heck, when we even look around at people that we know, there, there's people that we see who have ideal circumstances, and yet somehow they manage to utterly wreck their lives. People who have more money than we can imagine go on to wreck their life. People who have more power, more success than, we, than we've ever experienced, and yet they still manage to wreck their lives. See, here's what I believe. I believe the thing that we actually need the most right now is something that's more than a circumstance change. I think what we actually need right now is the ability to flourish in life outside of our circumstances, the ability to, to thrive in life regardless of our circumstances, because all of us know this, right? All of us know circumstances change so often. They ebb and they flow, and some of that's in our control, and a lot of it's not in our control. You wake up and your entire circumstance has shifted. And so what I'm saying, what I think we really need is we need the ability to flourish outside of our circumstances. So the question is then, how do you get that ability? How do you gain that ability? And that is what we want to talk about throughout the course of this series for the next weeks as we look at this. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at something that the Bible tells us that if you possess, that it is worth more than the most ideal circumstances. We're going to look at something that the Bible is going to tell us that it's worth more than all of the wealth the world has to offer, that it is more enticing than the most power that the world can offer you, that it is more, it is more valuable than success itself. We're going to look at something, a characteristic that the Bible tells us about, that the Bible says that if you possess this one thing, that you have the key to flourishing in life outside of all of your circumstances. The Bible says that this thing will cost you everything, but it's impossible to buy. The Bible says that if you have this, it is the key to thriving in life apart from your circumstances. So what am I talking about? What is this thing that the Bible mentions so much that gives us the ability to thrive outside of our circumstances? And here's what it is. It's wisdom. The Bible talks about wisdom. And here's what the Bible says about wisdom we're going to find in the series. The Bible tells us that wisdom is something that all of us, myself included, need more than we know. It's something that we need more than we know, and it's something that very, very, very few people pursue in life. Very few people. See, for most of us, and again, myself included, we spend most of our energy and our time and, and our, our efforts in trying to pursue a circumstance change. And so, and so we're trying to get the new job. We're trying to, to get fit. We're trying to, and we pour all of our energy into those things. And the Bible tells us that those are good things, but those are actually secondary things that we're pursuing secondary things when we actually need the primary thing. I put it this way in my notes. If you're taking notes, maybe you can jot this down. This is sort of the big idea for this entire series, by the way. I put, we often want the result of wisdom when what we really need is wisdom. Oftentimes, we desire the results of wisdom. But what we actually need is something more primary. It's something more foundational. We need wisdom herself. So I want you to think about it for a second. When I asked you what you need, for many of us, we said, well, I need, I need a relationship change. I want a thriving relationship, right? I want a thriving marriage. For some of us, we're like, I want, a, I want, a, I want a, a healthy financial situation, right? I want to make good decisions in my life. Um, I want to be healthy and I want to be fit. I want my kids to make dis- good decisions. I want to be a good parent. I want to be an effective parent. But did you know that the Bible tells us that all of those things, all of those things are a result of this one thing, which is wisdom. 
We desire a secondary thing. God wants a primary thing for us. We oftentimes want the results of wisdom. What we actually need, though, is wisdom herself. And the Bible says that this is worth everything, to gain wisdom, to have wisdom. And it's what you and I need more than we know. And yet so, so very little people are pursuing it. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. This series, we're going to be looking together and pursuing together um, this concept, this idea of wisdom. What does it look like to have it in our lives? I believe that in 2015, in all of the things that we're pursuing this year, that at the very top of that list for all of us together, we should put wisdom. Because the Bible says that that is a primary thing. And many of the things that we're pursuing are secondary things. So here's what we're going to do in this series. Okay? We're going to be surveying a book of the Bible together that is primarily about wisdom. And so let me just see. Can you guess what the book is that we're going through? Can you guess? Can you guess? Can you guess? Proverbs, right? You guys know it. You guys are so smart. Proverbs is the book that we're going to be going through. And the reason we're going through the book of Proverbs is because you can summarize the entire book of Proverbs in one word very easily. The book of Proverbs is about wisdom. In fact, let me just start this whole series off by giving you a little background on the book of Proverbs. And there's a lot to say about the book of Proverbs, but I'll just give you four pieces of information. So the first thing about, about Proverbs that you need to know is that Proverbs is actually considered wisdom literature. And this is what that means. So the Bible, some of you may not have known this, but the Bible is actually not one book. Um, It's compiled together, but it's actually a series of books that have been written over thousands of years. And so Proverbs is one of the books that's contained in the Bible. And the literary genre of the book of Proverbs is considered wisdom literature. And quite simply, that just means this. It means that the whole ambition of the book, the whole aim of the book, is that by reading it, you will be more wise. That's the whole goal. Is that, is that you will encounter wisdom and that through reading it, wisdom will be imparted to you. And so it's considered um, wisdom literature. Another thing about the book uh, that's fascinating to know is that it was written primarily by a guy named King Solomon. Um, King Solomon uh, is back in the Old Testament. Some of you may have read about him. He's in the book of First and Second Kings. And in the, that book, what we see is that Solomon was described as the wisest person in history. And so, aside from Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that Solomon was the wisest man in history. And uh, he was a guy who was a king over Israel thousands of years ago. Uh, History tells us that underneath his leadership, that that the nation of Israel thrived in an unprecedented, unparalleled way. And the Bible tells us that that was a result of his wisdom. He was extremely wise. And so he's the primary writer of the book of Proverbs. Now, there's a few other contributors who also wrote the book of Proverbs, but Solomon is the main guy as he wrote this book. The occasion in which he wrote it, we're told, is that he's actually writing a letter to his son. And so he's imparting wisdom to his son. So this is a letter from a father to his son trying to impart wisdom. And I believe the reason that God has preserved this book for us is so that we can also benefit from the wisdom that Solomon gives. I believe the reason that God has given us this book is because as our heavenly father, he wants to impart wisdom to you and I, that we can gain wisdom and live by it. And so Solomon is the one who wrote the book. Another thing I love about this book is that it is extremely practical, extremely practical. Um, This book, I, I love that because I tend to be more of a simple thinker myself, and I love how practical this book is. There are some books of the Bible, as many of you know, that elevate our thinking into the heavenly places, right? Proverbs meets us on the street. It is so practical. Proverbs meets us in our checkbooks. Proverbs meets us in our living room. It meets us in our dorm room. Proverbs meets us in the boardroom. It meets us in the bedroom. This book is so practical. And it's one of the things I love about this book. 
Um, the name Proverbs, the reason the book is called Proverbs is because it's actually named after the literary device that's used all throughout the book. And so that's the fourth thing I want you to know about it, that the book of Proverbs is named Proverbs because of the literary device that's used and employed all throughout the book of Proverbs. And so uh, just to kind of explain that, a proverb is actually not just a biblical thing. It's, uh, it's actually a literary device that's been used all throughout history. And so even now, archaeologists uh, all around the world are digging up uh, ancient literature that employs proverbs. And so ancient Mesopotamian cultures, ancient Egyptian cultures, ancient Aramaic cultures, all of them have used proverbs. So what is a proverb then? Well, proverb, you guys probably know this, right? Proverb is, is a wise saying. That's what it is. It's a, it's a pithy, short, witty, oftentimes memorable, portable, quotable, wise saying. I like the way uh, one commentator described a proverb. He said, a proverb is a short sentence built from long experiences. I love that. That's what a proverb is. A proverb is a short, is a short sentence that contains a lot of wisdom from long experiences. I like to say that, that a proverb is like, a, is like wisdom in fun size, right? Easy to understand, portable, memorable, those type of things. And like I said, Proverbs are used all throughout culture and all throughout history. So let me just give you a few examples of some Proverbs that are non-biblical, just so you kind of get the idea of what a proverb is. So I just listed a few of these. Now, again, these don't come from the Bible. These are just from uh, all over uh, history, all over culture. So here's a couple of them. Here's one I like. This is an African proverb. It says, if you don't stand for something, you fall for something, right? And that's a proverb. It's, it's, it's a short statement. It's kind of witty. It's full of wisdom, and what is it saying? It's quite simply saying this. If you don't stand for something, right, if you don't choose your convictions, someone's going to choose them for you. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for something. It's great. I love it. It's very memorable, very quotable, very portable, full of wisdom. Here's another one. Uh, this one comes, it's a Chinese proverb. Talk does not cook rice. <laughs> love that. It's great. Some of you need to use that with your teenager this afternoon. Talk don't cook rice. And uh, it's a great thing. Because what's it saying? It's saying, look, you can philosophize, you can, you can converse all you want, but ultimately, at the end of the day, someone's got to do the work, right? Talk is cheap. That's the way we put it in our culture. Talk, don't cook rice. So some of you just need to use that this afternoon. That's your homework assignment for you. Here's another one. I like this one. This is a, 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 a Danish proverb. After three days, both fish and guests begin to smell. And uh, it's great. You know, it's, just, it's funny, but it's so true. And it's wise. It's packed with wisdom. A great little statement. I like uh, this next one. He who asks is a fool for five minutes, but he who does not ask remains a fool forever. So he's just really wise, really witty. Chinese proverb there. Very, very helpful. Some of you need to tell your husband that, right? That's an important thing. Here's one. All right, check out this next one. Experience. I love this. Experience is a comb which nature gives you when you're bald. <laughs> just so wise. So much. It's funny, wise, packed. Here's the next one. I, this one's my favorite one. If at first you don't succeed, you're about average. And, uh, and just, that, that's what a proverb is. So the book that we're going to get into together throughout this series is a compilation of those. Okay, it's just, it's witty, fun-sized, easy, memorable, quotable, wisdom-packed saying. Short sentences from long experiences. That's what we're going to be looking at together. I love that about the book of Proverbs. It's so practical, and it's so simply put. And I love that. For me, when I think about the book of Proverbs, I like to think of it like this. I like to think of it sort of like Ikea. Um, let me ask you a quick question. How many of you guys are familiar with the store Ikea? You guys know about that store? Okay, most of us are. If you're not, here's what Ikea is. Ikea is actually a home furnishing store. And unfortunately, there's not any close to us. They're all out of state. 
but it is awesome. I love that place. You can make a whole day out of it. They have a cafeteria and Swedish meatballs, which are awesome. And um, what they'd have is they have a lot of this really kind of unique and trendy furniture that's extremely cheap, which is awesome. But you have to buy it at one of their stores, and then you got to take it home in a box. And then when you get home, you have to assemble the furniture yourself, okay? which, which is kind of complicated most of the time. But what I love about Ikea, more than anything, are their instructions. Did you guys ever see Ikea instructions before? Okay, they make it so easy to understand. I know nothing about building furniture, but Ikea makes it easy for me. So let me just show you real quick. I actually uh, took a snapshot of some Ikea directions. This is actually a picture from Ikea directions here. And so let me just, let me just walk you through this. Here's what I love about it. Look first, no pictures. I mean, no words. I love that, only pictures. I can track with that. That helps me. So look at the first thing. They're like, that guy. They're like, you're going to need a screwdriver and a hammer. That's what you're going to need for this whole project. I'm like, I can do that. If I need saws or I don't have any of that kind of stuff, that's helpful. Then I love these instructions. Check out this first one. They're like, like, look, this first guy, this guy is frowning. He's apparently carrying this himself. There's lines that are drawn in that kind of show us that he's shaking. And there's a giant X through it, right? Very clear. It's telling me I shouldn't carry this alone. Got it. See, I can, I can track with this. I can understand this. Then look at this next one. So what should I do, Ikea? Well, clearly, you can just get a friend. Carry it with your friend. And apparently, according to... Look, they're both smiling. And apparently, according to Ikea, clothes are optional. I don't know, don't know what that's all about, right? This last box is my favorite. Look at this. This is awesome. Are you confused about the instructions? Is anybody confused about these instructions? Are you confused? Look at his, notice his mouth. I love it. It's just a squiggly line. Because that's what happens when you get confused. Your mouth just goes squiggly. And so he's like, got a question? Call Ikea. Just call him up. And which I thought to myself, what would you say? Right? I, I, if you don't understand these instructions, I don't think a phone call is going to help very much. Right? And, uh, but I love it because it's so simple. It's so easy to understand. Here's what I love about Ikea, okay? It makes something that's kind of complicated, building furniture, very easy, very simple. Proverbs, okay, is Solomon saying, I'm the wisest man on earth, and I want to try to make this portable and memorable and easy to understand, and I want to make it transferable so that you can understand. And what Solomon says to his son is he says, son, the thing I want for you more than anything, the thing I want for you more than anything, I don't want you to simply be wealthy. I don't just want you to be successful. I don't, just, I don't just want you to be healthy. I, I want you to be wise more than anything. That's what I want for you. And my guess is if you're a parent, if you think about it, isn't it true that that's the thing you want for your kid too? More than you want them to have money and, and success and have, and don't you want to be wise? Make wise choices in life. And Solomon says, that's what I want for you. And I believe our heavenly father, through the book of Proverbs, which he's preserved for us, is saying, I want as your father for you, I want wisdom for you. A change of circumstance is fine, but that's not going to give you the ability to thrive in life. You need the ability to flourish in life outside of your circumstances. That comes from wisdom, is what he says. In fact, let's take a look at what Solomon says a little bit, just as a way of introduction about wisdom. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you take them with me? We're going to go to Proverbs 4. We're just going to look at a few verses this morning because we're, we're just introducing this whole topic. And the rest of the series, we're really going to dive in. But I just want to kind of introduce it by looking at something that Solomon says is by way of introduction to his son in Proverbs chapter 4. So you guys can take your Bibles and flip there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, by the way, we have some for you. You can just grab one of those, and you can turn to page 440 
Proverbs is almost right in the middle of the Bible. It's great. So you can just go ahead and flip there. Proverbs chapter 4. So once again, we're going to see Solomon here writing to his son. And um, this is actually, chapter 4 is actually still part of the introduction. There's a very long introduction um, in the book of Proverbs. But I just want to go ahead and start in verse 5. Watch what Solomon says here. Check this out. Verse 5. He says to his son, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. So just just pause there for a minute. So once again, we see Solomon introducing the, the theme of the entire book, wisdom. He says, son, the thing I want for you more than anything, I want you to get wisdom. Get, get wisdom. Don't turn away from my words. Get wisdom. Then look at verse six. I love this. Notice what he says in verse six. He says, don't forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. I want you to notice in the book of Proverbs that wisdom is going to be personified time and time again as a woman. And some of you ladies are like, I like that, right? Personified as a woman. And think about it. That just makes sense, right? That just makes sense. Because let's just be honest here, right? Isn't it true? Women are just more elegant. They're more sophisticated, right? Case in point here, all right? What is a girl's best friend? Tell me. Diamonds. What's a man's best friend? Dog, right? So, look, wisdom has to be a woman. It just makes sense, all right? And so, and so wisdom is a woman. So, all throughout the book, he's going to say, son, I want you to get wisdom. I want you to love her. I want you to cherish her because if you do, man, I'm telling you, she's going to protect you. She's going to guide you. You want he's like, more than your circumstance change. I want you to have wisdom. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. And I'm telling you, all throughout this book, in fact, 125 times in the book of Proverbs, it tells us the word wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Which, of course, that brings up a good point, right? If that's the big idea in this whole book, It'd probably do us well to define it. We haven't defined wisdom. So what is wisdom exactly? Well, let me give you a definition that I think comes right from the book of Proverbs. And I, I kind of want to look at it this way. I want to talk first about what it's not, and then I want to talk about what it is, according to the Bible. So what is wisdom? Well, what we're going to see in the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is not simply um, knowledge. So first and foremost, wisdom is not simply knowledge. And here's what I mean by that. I think for some of us, when we think about wisdom, we think that a wise person is someone who knows a lot. So if you know a lot, you're a wise person, right? Well, Proverbs is going to tell us that wisdom includes knowledge, um, but it's actually something that's a little different than knowledge. It's categorically a little different than knowledge. In the same way, wisdom is not simply morality, Right? Some people would say wisdom is the ability to know the right thing or the wrong thing. That's what wisdom is. Um, and and that's, that's morality. But what we're going to see again in Proverbs is that wisdom includes morality, but it actually is something a little bit different than that. So what is wisdom then? Well, what we're going to find is 125 times in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is mentioned. And the root word in which wisdom comes from in the original language, the Hebrew language, is a word that means skill. That's what it means, skill. Now, that's fascinating. I want you to think about that for a minute. Think about someone who's really skilled at something, right? So, for example, let's think about a skilled football player. Okay, a skilled football player, does he possess knowledge? Oh, yeah, he has to. He knows the game, right? He knows the technique. He knows the mechanics of how to play, right? He has knowledge. Uh, he, does, he have, does he have morality? In other words, does he know what's right and wrong? Yes, he has to. He has to know what's out of bounds, what's in bounds. He has to know what he gets penalized for. And so skill includes knowledge. It includes right and wrong. It includes morality. But you can have those, those things and still be a terrible football player. 
A skilled football player is someone who knows in every and any situation what the best thing is to do. They can flourish outside of, inside of any circumstance that they encounter. That's skill. Right? Uh, think about, here's another example. Think about a skilled driver, okay? A skilled driver. Does a skilled driver possess knowledge? Absolutely, right? They have to know how to drive the car. They got to know how to keep their hands at 10 and 2. You know, they have, to, they have to know how to do the gas clutch transaction and do the shifting thing. They got to know how to do all of those things. It includes knowledge. Do they have to know right and wrong? Do they have to know morality? Yeah, they have to know the law of the road, right? They have to know all that stuff. But you can have those things and be a terrible driver, right? A skilled driver is someone who has the ability, the intuition, to know how to navigate within those parameters, but yet they flourish regardless of what any of the circumstances are. You guys, what is wisdom? Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's the skill of living. It includes knowledge. It includes morality. But it's the ability to flourish outside of any of your circumstances, inside of any circumstance, and to be able to navigate that well. In the same way that God has created in the natural order of things, he has created laws. He has created a system. And so there's laws of thermodynamics. There are laws of... of of, of gravity, there's, there's those laws, there's scientific laws, mathematic laws that govern the known universe. In the same way, the Bible tells us that God has created a system of life. And the Bible says that wisdom is the ability to flourish within that. The Bible tells us that God has created a design behind sexuality, that he's designed, uh, he's kind of created a design behind our finances. He's created a design behind our relationships. And wisdom is having the knowledge and the morality, but it's the skill of living. And that's what Solomon is saying, I want for you, son. And that's what God is saying that he wants for us too. Then I love this next part. Look what he says in verse seven. This is probably my, my favorite verse in this whole passage we're looking at. Look at verse seven. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. So he's talking to his son. <clears throat> the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Isn't that great? Beginning wisdom is this, son. Go get it. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. And uh, I love that. I'll tell you why. Because at first glance, when you look at that, it might sound very simple and very obvious. But I think what Solomon is pointing out here is something that is actually very profound. What he's telling his son is basically this. Son, wisdom is not something that's just going to come to you. You can't be passive about this. Man, you got to go get it. That's what he says. You've got you to go after this, in other words. Look, look what he says in this latter part of verse 7. Though it costs you all you have, he's like, it's going to cost you a lot to get this, buddy. This isn't like, you can't just sit there idle and passively and expect that wisdom's going to find you. You've got to go get it. You've got to find it. This is going to be an endeavor of your life to go find this thing. I love that. Go get wisdom. Some of you have um, different translations. If you have the New King James Version, I really like the way verse 7 is put in the New King James Version. Let me just show that to you. It brings out another aspect of this. It says, I love this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And that's exactly what we've been saying, right? We've been saying a lot of us, we actually put our energy towards pursuing secondary things when we need the primary thing. We go after a circumstance change when we really need is wisdom itself, right? So he says, get wisdom, man. It's the primary thing. And then I love this next part. Look at this. In all of your getting, get understanding, and all of your getting, get understanding. And I like that. Because for many of us right now, we're very consumed in the getting. Right now, this time of the year, a lot of us are getting. We're getting gym memberships. We're getting back in shape. We're getting boyfriends. We're getting girlfriends. We're getting relationships. We're getting new houses. We're getting new cars. We're getting new jobs. We're getting new things. We're getting changes of circumstance. And Solomon says, fine, 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 fine. But in all of your getting, before you get all of that, get wisdom. 
It's the primary thing. And he says it's the thing that we need more than we know, and yet it's the thing that very little of us are actually pursuing. He says, in all of your getting, man, you've got to get wisdom. It's going to cost you everything to obtain it. And then Solomon says this, basically kind of talking to his son about the value of wisdom. He says in verse 8 and 9, cherish her. Cherish her. There it is again. Wisdom is personified as a woman. She's going to exalt you. Embrace her. She's going to honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head, and she will present you with a glorious crown. Now, all those things are very poetic ways of saying, once again, son, the thing that I want you to have, more than, more than wealth, more than power, more than success, more than ideal circumstances, I want you to have wisdom, the ability to flourish regardless of what your circumstances are. And so, guys, this is what we're going to be doing in the series. We want to pursue wisdom together. I want to invite you in this series to join us for the next several weeks as we investigate this continue to define it, but then pursue it. Because for many of us, we're like, man, how, well, how is, if it's that important, how do you get it? How do you get it? That's what we want to talk about for the next several weeks. Let me close with this. I just want to close by giving us, as we kind of get into the next weeks, I just want to give us three things that I believe that you're going to need if you're going to journey through this series, three things. And then I want to give us one challenge, and then we'll be finished. Like I said, this is an introduction week, and so my hope is to kind of whet your appetite for the desire of wisdom and, and the importance of this pursuit, okay? But I think if we're going to do this, we need three things. Here's the first thing you're going to need in this series. The first thing you're going to need is humility, okay? We're going to need humility. I'm going to need humility. And here's why. When you go through the book of Proverbs, what you see time and time again is that in order to obtain wisdom, you first have to be humble. And guys, this just makes so much sense. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this series. One of the questions I kept asking myself as I was preparing was, do I think I'm wise? And maybe I ask you the question, do you think you're wise? And you know what, you know what I find is really interesting? And the way I, I'll be honest with you, the way I answered that question in my own mind was I thought to myself, like, if you would ask me, I'd probably fake it and pretend like I was humble. But you know what I really think? I think I'm wise. I do. I was like, do I think I'm wise? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm wise. I think I make good decisions. If I asked you, do you think you're wise? My guess is that you'd probably be like, yeah. But here's the crazy thing. Everyone thinks they're wise. My guess is the person that you know and love so much who's making a wreck of their life that you wish you could tell them to stop doing what they're doing, they probably think they're wise. See, what Proverbs is going to tell us is the person that thinks they're wise in their own eyes is a fool. And you see, what we need first and foremost as we jump in the series is we need humility. We have to be willing to admit that maybe I don't know the skill of life, that maybe there's an area of my life that I don't understand the best way to navigate it. Would you be willing to be honest about that and be humble as we do this together? The first thing we're going to need, honestly, you guys, is humility. Here's the second thing we're going to need in this series. The second thing we're going to need, quite, quite honestly, is just persistence. We're going to need some persistence. Because like Solomon said, this is not a casual thing, man. Like you can't just sit there idly and expect wisdom to find you. You've got to go get it. It's going to cost you everything you have. It's what the book of Proverbs says. Do you know that in the book of Proverbs, like I said, wisdom is depicted as a woman? And Solomon will say, she's a woman that you have to woo. You have to woo her. So think about that for a minute. Think about a, re a romantic relationship. When you woo someone, what does that require? Time and energy, creativity, discipline and thought. It requires all those things. What Solomon is saying is, guys, wisdom isn't some girl you can you know, drive your truck up to and go, hey, you're hot, get in, you know? That only works in country songs. Doesn't work in real life, right? It's like, no, man, wisdom, you gotta be like, you gotta work that, you know? And so, and so that's what he's saying in this. You gotta have persistence. So we need humility, we need persistence, and then 
Here's the final thing, and I think the most important thing. We need intimacy. The Bible's gonna tell us that the heart of wisdom, that the source of wisdom is actually in a healthy relationship. That the beginning of wisdom is actually a relationship with God, a proper relationship with him. The Bible's gonna tell us um, that God is the author of wisdom. The Bible's gonna tell us that on Jesus Christ, wisdom has been placed. And so true wisdom, not, not worldly wisdom, but I'm talking real wisdom, godly wisdom. The Bible's gonna tell us that real wisdom is actually fundamentally found in a proper, healthy relationship with God. We're gonna talk about that in the weeks to come. But we're gonna need intimacy if we're gonna do this right. All right? Those are the three things that we're gonna need. So let me just close with this. I'm gonna give you a challenge. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. And as I do, I'm gonna give you just a, a, one challenge and we'll be finished, okay? I wanna challenge you to engage in this series. If you are a person who calls Grace home, I wanna challenge you to, to just lock in for the next five weeks and join us in this series. If you're a person that's investigating Jesus, if, even if you're not a Christian, I wanna, I wanna challenge you to, to, to investigate this with us as we go through for the next five weeks. And here's the big challenge I wanna give to everyone in the room, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you call Grace Church home or not, whatever it is, here's the challenge I wanna give to everyone. I wanna challenge you for the next five weeks as we go through this series to read the book of Proverbs, okay, the whole book. The book is 31 chapters, and it's actually, it's a fantastic book to read. And one of the great things about the book of Proverbs, and some of you may already do this, this is a, a discipline that I've tried to put in my life several years ago, is uh, because there's 31 chapters, there tends to be 31 days in a month, it works really well to read a proverb a day. Really, really well to do that. And so, for example, today is January 11th. Is that right? So what I would do is I'd pick up my Bible, go to Proverbs 11, and read Proverbs 11. What I love about Proverbs is because it is a kind of a collection of these proverbial sayings, you don't have to start at the beginning. You can actually start in the middle. So I want to encourage you over the course of this series to read a proverb a day, to engage in that way, all right? And you can do that by reading, like I said, the proverb a day. You can do that however you want to. Another way that you can do it, if you're, if you're like me and you have good intentions, but then sometimes you forget, uh, here's a great, great thing you could do. You can download YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version. It's a free Bible app. On that Bible app, they have reading plans. And among the reading plans are reading through Proverbs in 31 days. Extremely helpful. It'll remind you. It'll email you. I know for me, that's really helpful in the midst of a busy schedule to do that. But would you be willing to carve time out of your life to read a proverb a day? We like to say a proverb a day keeps the fool away. And, uh, and you can engage in it that way. I want to challenge you to do that. And then I want to challenge you to come back as we together pursue wisdom. All right, let's pray together. Jesus, I want to say thank you for this book that you've preserved for us for our edification, for our benefit. Lord, it is so easy for us to want to change the, the immediate circumstances around us, to want to make temporary changes, and yet to miss the primary thing, God, which is wisdom. Father, I ask you that over the course of this series that you would make us wise. Lord, help us to, um, help us to be humble enough to admit that there's patterns in our life, that there's habits in our life, that there's aspects of our life where we do not know what we're doing. Father, we're wise in our own eyes and oftentimes it gets us in a lot of trouble. Give us the skill of living. Father, I pray that, that we'd possess that and that we would experience the fruit that comes from it. Lord, you, you tell us in scripture that healthy relationships, that vibrant marriages, that, that, that great parenting, 
that financial stability, that all of those things are results of wise living. And so I pray that more than we want the thing, that you give us the source, give us wisdom. And of course, God, we know scripture tells us that wisdom is found in a relationship with you. That's where it starts. So I pray, God, that you would help us to fall more in love with you in this series, the author of wisdom, the one who has created life and given it to us. So Lord, be with us as we journey through this series. I pray that you would teach us all together as a church, as your church, Lord, the value of wisdom. So bless us as we go from here, Father. I pray that 2015 would be a year where we grow in wisdom in exponential ways. Lord, where real change happens in our lives because of the wisdom that we pursue from you. I ask for that. I ask that there's people in this room I know right now, Father, who are really struggling with certain aspects, who are financially in a disaster, who their marriages are in the tank, whose relationships are disjointed and full of dysfunction. There's people in here who, uh, Lord, are desperate for for better habits in their life. And God, as we chase those things, I pray that we wouldn't miss the fundamental thing, which is wisdom. So give it to us, God. We, We ask for it. We beg for it. We plead for it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.